0: Welcome to The Magic in the Messy. I'm Jo Hodson and you're listening to Permission, a series of deep dive conversations exploring what it means to truly give ourselves permission to live life on our own terms. I hope these conversations resonate with you too. Thank you so much for being here. Today's Permission podcast is featuring David Taylor, Hey, so welcome to the next interview in the series of what it means to give ourselves permission to live life in our own terms. So that's kind of the container that I'm looking to explore with these series of interviews. And today I'm speaking with David Taylor. And David is someone that I first met in May 2015 when he ran an event. And and it's not an exaggeration to say it was probably one of the most life-changing moments of my life in terms of the message that hit me at a time in my life that I was ready to receive it and and I remember you standing there at the front of the of the of the room being really vulnerable I can't remember what it was about I can't remember what you said but I remember feeling why has that increased my respect for this person and not decreased it? I didn't get it. Like it seems such a contradiction. And that was my first real life uh, experience of what it means to show up with vulnerability and authenticity. Um, and I've never forgotten that, that moment, that event. And we've sort of been in and out of each other's lives in many ways since that time. And, and so who you are to me is a very, very authentic human like you're a coach you're a filmmaker but ultimately you're a very authentic human being and I have always been drawn to how you choose to show up in the different ways that you've 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 chosen to do that over time as you've gone into your film work and and it's just been a beautiful thing so as soon as I had this this idea that I wanted to explore what it means to give ourselves permission what it means to show up from that space in our lives, you were one of the first few names that came to my mind. And so, yeah, I'd love to invite you to the conversation. If there's anything you want to add about yourself or any context, then yeah, feel free to do that. Otherwise, we'll dive in on around the topic of, of self-permission and what that, what that looks like, what that means.
1: The first thought that comes to my mind is, is one of, of deep gratitude. So thank you for sharing that what you just shared and I and I do remember you coming to that event and I remember you were sitting in the front row (laughs) and uh, it was a beautiful weekend and you know I've seen you come into the room in that moment in one place and I've seen and experienced you over the five years that that, you know that's gone in between how you've grown and changed and the things that you're doing now Mm. incredible and Mm. and if and the reason why I feel gratitude is first of all, that you share that. And also that maybe just maybe that what we did that weekend and the other people in the room as well mm. was a stepping stone for, for you for that. So thank mm. you. Mm. And, and in terms of what I do, that was loud. I'll uh, say so that again, in terms of what I do, in terms of what I do, I think you've covered it. I am a coach and, and I'm a filmmaker.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. And I think as this, as this conversation goes on, Perhaps we'll explore the filming, filmmaking aspect of it. Actually, when it mm. comes to, I think that's something mm. I interesting to explore. Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's funny because I, as you were talking about the fact that yeah, I was sitting in the front row. I, I I remember that now, and I remember there was one point in particular towards I think towards the end of that. It was a weekend weekend event, and it was towards the end of the second day. I suddenly had this really burning frustration. that I hadn't hadn't Voiced what it was I wanted to say. I didn't know what it was I wanted to say. All I knew is that I hadn't shared it, and I was so frustrated with myself that I'd hadn't shown up in in some way. I think there was all these shoulds pouring down on me at that point. I hadn't. I didn't have that awareness of you know should land, Um, but. It, you know, coming back to this idea of self permission, I was in this really weird space of knowing I had so much more inside me, but just not knowing how to be it, how to live it, how to access it, how to show up from that place. And I, it feels a very pivotal moment and very relevant to this whole topic because I hadn't given myself permission, not really. Although I, I think I do remember at the very end sharing that frustration that I hadn't done what I felt I could or should have done but yeah like it was a very very powerful transformational kind of moment being around all these people that I felt were showing up in a way that I wasn't and it was a big big trigger a necessary trigger for me yeah yeah it's fascinating yeah takes me right back
1: (laughs) and I remember that I remember watching you observing you witnessing you Mm. in that (laughs) space of shall I, shan't I speak?
2: Mm.
1: Can I, can't I speak? Mm. And I noticed it, especially on the second day, running through the whole day.
2: Mm. You
1: know, there was a tension building in you. There was a yes. kind of an energy building up in you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that, you know, one of the things about my events, if, if anybody's been on them, anybody who's listening has been on them, you'll know this. But one of the things about my events is there's space. Mm. There's space and it's, it's a powerful space that, both draws you in and draws you out but also creates a moment for you to speak should that be mm. right for you mm-hmm. and and that space was calling you yeah see
0: yeah yeah it was loud <laughs> and, and uncomfortable <laughs> I, yeah.
1: you know when thinking about this topic and I was thinking about this just before the we, we connected this morning that I was reminded of something I've been doing events, personal development is such a cheesy term, but (laughs) doing events about people being human uh, for 12, 15 years now. And I remember the very first material I put together about being human that I wanted to share in the world. I came up with a title for it. And the title was Losing Your Way to Greatness. (laughs) And whilst it was kind of cheesy rhetoric in the personal development space, there's something in it. And the reason why I say there's something in it, and there's still something in it, because my work is still about the same thing, even though it may have a different title. There's something in it to me, which is you you talk about permission. And I see see it from another lens, which Mm -hmm. is, there's so much in the world of personal development which is if you do this you'll get something if mm. you do that you'll get something but what i noticed was in my own life that i got the things that i got the things that i got that i wanted wasn't when i added something in it was when i took something away mm. and what i mean by taking something away it's something that i picked up as a child as a young adult as an old adult you know through my life i picked things up that got in the way the beliefs about myself, the way I saw myself. And they were huge things sometimes.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so when I was thinking about this idea of permission, the permission to me wasn't about allowing myself to do something. It was permission to let go of something that was getting in the way. It was the losing something. It It was the letting go of. And if I... If I think about part of my story that uh, I was born in, in Newcastle and, and there's a whole big story about that anyway but uh, I was born in a home for fallen women and, and my mother was uh, 16 my father was a waiter in a Chinese restaurant and she was Catholic and she was sent away to one of these homes and I was given birth and taken away and and I was adopted but what was weird for me was I was adopted in a family in north, the very north of England, which is exclusively white. I mean, it's exclusively Caucasian, and I'm half Asian. And probably seven, eight years old, kids started to notice, because kids notice differences. You know, you're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're thin, you're ginger, you're freckly. you wear glasses, you don't wear glasses, whatever it is. And I'm sure people even listening to this will be triggered by the words I've just used. But whatever it is, kids at those very early ages, pick on things in you and they create a part of your own image.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's very easy to collect that and not even notice collecting that. But I was singled out for being chinky, Chinese, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I remember, I must've been about eight years old and it was really getting quite painful. I was really suffering inside. And I remember sitting at the, the family dinner table and my uh, sister, two sisters were there and my parents were there. And the pain just overwhelmed me. It just got to a point where it just kind of burst out. And I just said, and I, and I didn't know why I was holding it back. I didn't feel safe to share it, I guess. But it suddenly burst out that I was really unhappy. And, and so they asked me why I was unhappy. And I said, well, it's cool that... And the kids will call me chinky and it, and it, I, I hate it. And the whole of my family burst out laughing. Oh, wow. And I, I mean, I kind of, I tell it as kind of a, quite a neutral story now, but for most of my life, that shaped who I was. Mm. I thought they were laughing at me. Because mm. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know anything better. And they said, sticks and stones may break my bones and names will never hurt you. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's, the reverse of that: if you break your arm, it heals, and six weeks later, you've forgotten about it. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: the cast comes off, and you rebuild your muscles, and you forget about it. I mean, my son has broken; he's, he's had a skull fracture. He's broken his arm twice; he's had broken, and he doesn't—he can't even remember which arm it is. You know, years later, so you mm-hmm. forget. But those—that name calling and that moment of looking for safety and not finding
2: it—fundamentally
1: mm-hmm. shaped my life and. I made a decision in that moment and that decision was I'm never going to ask for help again
2: Mm.
1: because I was in the safest place that I knew and I asked for help and it didn't happen. It didn't show up for me. Mm. Well, it didn't show up for me in the way that I wanted it to show up. Actually, Mm -hmm. that's the truth. Mm -hmm. They probably thought that by laughing at it and making light of it, they were diffusing it. But actually what they did was they anchored it more deeply than they could possibly Mm -hmm. imagine. And, And I guess there was a part of me later in later life kind of was angry that they'd had seven or eight years to prepare for that moment. They must have known it was coming. You know, if I think about families nowadays and the kind of support they would get, they would absolutely be prepared, be prepared for those kinds of moments. Mm-hmm. And I guess 50 years ago, they were completely unprepared. They had no idea how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was kind of angry about that for a while as well.
2: Yeah. But the reason why I
1: share this story is you can see how little moments, tiny moments on a journey can create huge lumps of landscape in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and so for me the permission piece versus the losing piece or the acceptance piece was integrating the acceptance that for many decades of my life, really probably till my mid forties, I lived with that idea that I wasn't going to ask for help. I was going to be completely independent. I was going to succeed on my own terms. In mm-hmm. many ways it made me successful, but you can never get enough of what you do not really need. I was successful yeah. in ways, I was successful in ways that didn't serve me. I mean, I got financial success, you know, I, I've i still got the, the legacy of that. I've got a very nice house and I've had some very nice cars over my life and all that sort of stuff. But there weren't things that I really wanted. There weren't things that really fulfilled me. So this is kind of a very long story, really. It's about, is it about permission or is it about recognizing these big lumps of landscape, the, the chasms, the mountain, the mountains, you know the mountain ranges that get in the way of us on our journey, yeah, and and acknowledging them and just saying, okay, I I accept that, I'll get that, I'll I'll let that go. So that's the thought that came to me when I was thinking about this idea of permission.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, as you were talking about that, I was reflecting on how that shows up for me because I know. that that's exactly what I'm still trying to navigate the the permission piece for me is is in relation to coming to terms with the parts of me that I still haven't fully accepted and the kind of the ripple effect that then has on how or when I you know yeah to what extent I give myself permission it's very much related to the things that shape me all the things that sort of yeah like the identity that I took or whatever it was, um, yeah, that, yeah that's a huge part, yeah, and the stripping away part, and the giving yourself permission to um, because for me it's it's the fear of disappointing people is the thing that gets in my way, and so therefore the I know for me that I need to allow myself permission for that to be a possibility that at some point. I would disappoint someone it's a, it's a given like we can't control other people's reactions to us regardless, you know, I could, I could, you know, 100% perfectly create an environment that I still can't control someone, how they might receive the thing I've created. So therefore I'm never going to be able to prevent disappointment and giving myself permission for that. You know, it just, it just opens up the whole landscape, but that's still what I find myself stumbling over. And so much of that comes from the, as you say, like these these kind of big mountainous chunks of, yeah, of what of what shaped our childhood into adulthood, and you know, so I, 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 yeah, very relevant.
1: I just want to share another one that it's just come to my mind that I don't share often, um, and it's interesting how it's framed because somebody said that when they when I shared this once somebody said that they felt my self-loathing which was interesting because i never actually felt i don't think i've ever felt self-loathing i've not not noticed that anyway i've certainly not i wouldn't i wouldn't have connected that but i will share it with you because it is about my identity so for most of my adult life and for those who know me by the way they'll find this quite quite odd and quite amusing but uh, for most of my adult life, I really didn't want to have children. And especially I didn't want to have boy children because they would be like me. And it wasn't necessarily that I thought that I hated myself. It was I knew I had this sense of how much I was hated as a child. that's, that's what, That was the frame that I can think of it, that I was so separated and and isolated as a child that i couldn't imagine that i couldn't imagine creating that i couldn't imagine seeing that so it was only it was probably about 15 years ago that was when i first really started to integrate who i was to accept my identity and to feel a sense of potential wholeness
2: mm.
1: And that created the possibility of having children. Now, for anybody who does know me, they will know that I've got two boys and, you know, they are such a massive part of my life. And, and uh, you know, their journey and what they do and, and is huge for me. Um, and what I am unbelievably grateful for is in the world now, the fact that they're, in fact, they're a quarter Chinese, so it's not, it's a, they're a little bit Asian in fact one of them doesn't look Asian at all one, people don't even realise they're brothers half the time um, <laughs> one of them looks like baby Thor and the other one looks like baby me so uh, <laughs> you can't really tell that they're the brothers sometimes but what I, what I do I am very grateful for is actually the world has changed the world is less ist it's less mm. racist it's less I mean it's still there but it's much more integrated there's a much more integrated and diverse population at school, you know, even where I live, which is relatively Caucasian still, you know, it's still a lot more diverse than it was when I was in school, where I was the only child who wasn't white. And, and in fact, I remember, uh, I didn't find this out until years after my father had died, but um, he, he had gone to the school to discuss with them the fact that I was having these issues. And the headmaster said, well, it's your own fault for adopting a Chinese child.
2: Wow.
1: Um, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? To think yeah. that that's a possible thing for a headmaster to say. <laughs> wow. but, but I tell these, anyway, I'm telling these stories on the basis of, is it about permission or is it, was it about integrating who I was, which then created something, it created possibility. So it was about acceptance that then created possibility.
0: Mm. See, ah, uh, it just, it's just—it's just so funny because as you're as you're saying this, I mean, di- different story, but it's, it's, it's the same thing in so many ways. And that, oh, oh, this is a conversation. So, so from and so and some of this we've 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 sort of touched in anyway in, in some of our some of our conversations, some of your filming and stuff. But ah, uh, yeah, ah, oh, the, the whole kid thing very present for me because I my biggest fear was in not wanting kids was a that I didn't think I'd be a good mother but also I didn't want one like me because I was very hyperactive way too much energy my parents didn't know how to handle me and I have I still I'm still moving working through that a lot all the guilt and shame I carry around how I was as a kid how how I disrupted family life And the thought of having one of me, just, ah, it was just, just horrendous. Um, and also the story that I'd been told that in, in moments of frustration from my parents that, oh, you know, for goodness sake, Joe, never have kids, will you? When, when they were frustrated with, with, with me for being so impatient or so whatever that um, I held on to that for so many years. Like, I mean, I'm 36 now, and it's only been in the last three or four years that I've come to terms with the fact that, oh, maybe that is just story. Maybe there is a possibility that I would be an okay mother. Maybe there's a possibility that I would want kids because I wouldn't parent like my parents, so therefore maybe it wouldn't be so. You know, so it's only literally in the last handful of years that I've allowed myself to acknowledge that maybe that's not true. And so, the identity piece um and just and just and accepting like permission and acceptance for me feel very, very tightly bound up like in in giving my in in accepting who I am, and use the word integration a few times, which I love, and integrating all of the parts of me and celebrating all of that like for me that it it sort of automatically get is a gateway through to permission like acceptance they're not the same but I feel that they're, they're very very closely coupled um in, in particularly in that scenario that feels still feels very present to me because I'm still in that land of like well do I or don't I, I don't I don't know do I want kids or not I, I still I still haven't figured that out so I'm just it's something that I, I sit with uh, regularly but um acceptance is is a huge part to the to the whole puzzle for me in so many aspects of my life that I, I might struggle with. Um, so yeah, I, that, that story was powerful. And I've, I've, I've heard you share that, or at least, at least, at least some of that before, but it's, it, it's how it, how it sits with me on my own journey is, is interesting. <clears throat>
1: mm. you, you said a word there that really rippled through my energy.
0: Mm.
1: That you said ashamed. Mm. And I realized that as a child I was ashamed of who I was Mm. because of how I was treated by others.
2: Mm.
1: And it never never occurred to me that. That never occurred to me before.
2: Wow.
1: So that's probably the best, most articulate way of describing it. I don't think I hated myself. I was ashamed of who I was.
0: Yeah. 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 I I can relate to that.
1: And so how could I have a child like me? Because I'd be ashamed of who they were.
0: Hmm. Mm. See, I hadn't thought about like that. That's interesting because I was just like, "Well, I wouldn't want to have to put up with all that horrendous behaviour that I I gave." It was, but but yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, one other thing I wanted to share with you that perhaps triggered this conversation initially was you mentioned that we filmed together. Yeah. And I just want to share a little bit about my filming process.
2: Yes.
1: And let's explore that because yeah. it's not explicit in terms of permission. And yet it's implicit, I think.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: so if I, if I describe my filming, filming process, I remember um, I had been referred to somebody and they phoned me up and it was so funny. He phoned me up and he said, so I think you're the guy who films people not saying anything.
2: <laughs>
1: was perfect description of how yeah. i my filming, in, in a way, anyway. Um, but the way the filming process works is <laughs> that uh, we set up a, a space where there are two chairs and they're directly opposite each other, about three feet apart, so it's quite a personal space. Well, it's not, it's, it's not quite, but it's a very intimate space. A mm. quiet space and there's a camera I mean it's quite a big camera and a microphone and stuff so you know there's quite a lot of technology sitting in that space as well uh, but that's slightly off to the side and the, the most important thing is that I sit directly opposite the person and we create a connection and we sit in uh, in, in a quiet space for a while and, then, and I, I will invite the person being filmed to close their eyes and simply breathe and have a sense of being grounded and I'll put the camera on and what I'll typically say, I'll say something like, you know, whenever you're ready, open your eyes and whatever comes will come.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are no questions. There's no direction. There's no guidance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People before a filming session, write to me and say, could you tell me, you know, could you give me some instructions or what to expect or whatever? And, and sometimes if I'm feeling mischievous, I do have an instruction sheet and at the top it says the stillness process, which is the name of the filming process. And it's a blank PDF. It's, there's mm-hmm. nothing in it. Yeah, not that to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, and, and yeah, that's partly deliberately to create a sense of energy around it as well. Mm-hmm. But we sit in this space in silence. And then what I notice is that if I, and, and my, my my journey with this is to be utterly present mm. and what I've noticed over the, the years I've been doing this is certainly when I started doing it what I noticed was I would focus on being present and I would notice my mind wandering into I want to make a great film I want to make a great film I want to do this I want I want them to say this and that and and so energetically it was it was actually a, it, it was a struggle to become empty to become truly present mm. with a person to me and yet what I noticed is the more I do that the more it creates an opportunity for them to speak Mm. and to really speak from a place that they might not have spoken from before about things they might not have spoken about before.
2: Mm.
1: And so what it does do is create a, it creates the ultimate permission. Yeah. Something can be said that would never normally be said. Mm-hmm. You know, vulnerability can be revealed and, and, and can come out. And, and one thing, and, and, uh, and you'll know this because this is exactly what happened with us, that we started filming. And after about 20 minutes, I felt it wasn't quite there. And, and what was interesting was that your chair was about five degrees turned away from mine. Only, it was only about five degrees. It was a tiny mm-hmm. amount at our chairs. Yeah. Yeah. weren't quite facing each other. Yeah. And, and so we moved the chairs so they were exactly facing each other and we reopened the space again and it created a, a much deeper level of, of truth, a much deeper level of speaking mm-hmm. um, because the level of connection was there. Mm-hmm. So, so when you ask me to talk about permission, I, don't, I never think about permission, but what I think about is that space, that opening, that potential Mm. And it hums from a deep, deep connection. Uh, and
0: you also create a, uh, a sense, or a, a, this, I use the word container. I can't think of a better word. That there's just a real sense of it. There's there's no judgment. Like you know, you you just so everything's just held without without it being judged, and that just that knowing even though there's a, there's a, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, this at some point, you know, will, will be edited and it might be released to the world or whatever, but I mean, that's, but that's all, that's all known from, from the outset. So that doesn't really factor into what I, what I may or may not share in that moment. It's just this spaciousness and this non-judgment and just, you know, to you, human energies sitting in this bubble. I, it, it and you may, I think you said the word possibility, anything is possible. Because I remember, I remembered, and I, I know we filmed a couple of times, but I remember the first time, was it the first time? Actually, no, we filmed quite a few times because you did it at one of your events when I had the flu. That was the first time when you were testing it, that was quite early days. But the time I'm thinking of now is when I'd spent uh, the, the, the week prior, I'd spent at the Buddhist Meditation Center. So I was quite, I was in good. I was in a good headspace, I was quite zen out. And um, on my last day on my way home, I'd... Um, come to see you because you you live nearby and I remember thinking on the way there I remember thinking like well you know maybe I'll start with this maybe I'll start with it you know I was just sort of you can't help but but start thinking where you might start I hadn't hadn't sort of planned beyond that but I thought well you know I kind of need to know where I'll start but I I remember as soon as you invited me to open my eyes and share what comes up totally different stuff came out like just just stuff came out like nothing I'd thought of beforehand showed up and it was just really interesting that when I was in that moment of pure permission, I guess, and I'd been invited because I think, I think even the idea of being invited that has a lot of permission within it because you're inviting me to show up. You're in, you know, that's, that's hugely sort of permission giving. Um, but I can't even remember how I began, but I remember having this fleeting realization of, "Wow, nothing I thought I was going to say has come out. And it just, I remember that, that thought came into my head and then it just disappeared. And I was just kind of in the flow of whatever was, whatever was coming out. Um, but it was beautiful in that. It, 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 because I, yeah, I, I couldn't have created that space for myself. I, I yeah and I, I'm, I'm sort of as I'm I'm thinking out loud because I because one thing that I do do when I've got something to process or whatever is I'll just hit the voice notes on my phone and I'll just speak into my phone I'll like I'll brain dump a thought and it's almost like it's channel it's just coming through me sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying and I'll listen to it back and I think whoa I said that oh um and there's a similarity to an extent in in sometimes that that space I can bring myself to but it's nowhere near the container that you create with those two chairs, the one camera, the emptiness, the the permission to show up, however that might be, and that can be extreme because you know on when on your um, retreat, I won't name any names, but there was like a, a, a torrent of screaming or shouting or whatever, and that was really powerful. I mean, the, the huge sort of permission just to release was amazing. And and having watched most, if not all, probably most of your videos, you know just how what people bring to that space. You know the the excitement and the sadness and the anger and the pain and the the just just every all the extremes, every every kind of end of the spectrum is is just there, like in that space on those two chairs um and it is, it is an amazing an amazing kind of process amazing to sort of know that that just shows up when you create the environment for it
1: <clears throat> there's something that's come to my mind which i i've thought about before and i hadn't thought about it in this way so i, I just want to share it mm-hmm. which is about the filming process
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and you've touched on it the filming process in itself is only one part of the whole piece. And there are many stepping stones for each of us in the, in the filming process. So the first stepping stone is for the, for the subject is deciding that they're going to film. So maybe I've invited them or maybe they 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 see something in it that they want to they want to do the work, and so that very first step is commitment of, hey David, I'd like to film or I'd like to accept, accept your invitation or I'd, I'd like to set up a, a time to film. Can we do that? And so that is giving yourself permission. Step one.
2: Yeah.
1: And then and then there's the, the gap. There's a gap between deciding to do it and arriving in the chair.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That in itself can be quite a journey. And for some people, they've told me that they've had huge emotional roller rollercoaster of a journey from the moment they said they would do it to arriving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that might be the big transformational moment for them. It might, it might not be, but it might be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then they're sitting in the chair. They're sitting in the chair and choosing to sit down and choosing to allow me to turn the camera on. And then there's choosing to speak. It's mm. so all little moments of giving self permission. Mm. And, and so that, the, the filming then happens. And then there's another piece, because I will, it's very rare that I don't do this. So 99 times out of 100, I will then take that filmed material and I will create my version of you. And mm-hmm. it, it, I have to, you know, well, let's be clear of this, I'm editing it so it, it can only be my version of mm-hmm. the subject because it, it's my eyes, it's my ears, it's my heart, it's what I see that I believe reflects the subject. Mm-hmm. So I, I then create that. And then there's another moment where the subject, whoever's being filmed, I send them the film, and they choose to watch it. They give themselves permission to see themselves.
2: Mm.
1: And that can take hours, days, or weeks. For some people, there's one person that I filmed that 18 months on, they still haven't watched their own film. Wow. They they haven't got to that point yet where they feel ready to give themselves permission to see their film. Wow. And... And for some people, they watch it immediately. And that can be an immensely powerful moment. And then there's yet another potential moment. And it's not for everybody because there's no requirement for this when I film with somebody. However, if there's a powerful film being made, I will invite them to share it publicly. Mm. That's huge because, Mm. again, it's another permission moment, which is I give permission to myself to be seen and to be seen in this way. And as the films are usually very powerful, they're usually vulnerable, they're usually sharing stories that may never have been shared before.
2: Mm.
1: Huge. you know. These aren't your usual uh, viral Instagram moments. <laughs> these, are, these are in a different realm
2: mm.
1: from those things. And it's powerful. It's, it can be immense to say, I'm gonna do this. Mm. And, and I, I filmed with somebody. I made a film about my journey, about my relationship with my father and, and my son. It was very emotional. And it was interesting because when I made the film, the, the filmmaker said, you know, we don't need to share this. Well, I've made this to be shared. And the film was edited and cut and I was happy with it. And, and you know, I really loved what, what was done with the film. And, and I actually shared on Facebook the story of the film and the fact it was going to be released a couple of weeks later. It was going to be released. And so I was, I was, I was building to the moment. And it actually got, really, got an incredible interaction on Facebook about the fact I was going to release this film. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the moment where the film was going to be released. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'd written this post on Facebook, and it was being um, shared in the U.S. as well, uh, with an email, an email list and so I wanted to share it at the same time and I'd created this Facebook post uh, about the film with the film in it, the link to the film in it and I remember five minutes before I felt physically sick mm. I, uh, my stomach was churning and I don't know why because I'd kind of build up to the moment I'd told people what it was about I, and yet there I was standing on the edge and I was going to be seen. Mm. And I was completely in control of pressing that button. Now, what was interesting was, I then pressed the button, and it was out there, and I just felt utterly liberated. Mm. All the energy that had built up had gone, even though there was no response to it or anything. And ironically, far fewer people responded <laughs> to the actual film post than they did to the one announcing the film was coming.
2: <laughs>
1: so I don't know whether it was because people didn't want to connect with it or they didn't want to share what they'd got from it or whatever. And I and I do see this. I do put films out there. And sometimes there's it seems to be a deafening silence. And yet someone will send me a message or will say months later or years later, Oh, I watched that film and it changed my life. Or I watched that film and it just really got me. Mm. Uh, you know, so people don't necessarily they don't necessarily open up about of seeing the films mm. um, or what they get from them but I know it's there. Mm. So, yeah, that that's kind of a, a long story about these different steps on the journey of yeah permission of allowing mm. And, mm. And, and, and it really is it's about that sense of allowing yourself to be seen to be heard and allowing others to see that allowing yourself to see it
0: at any point you know you know yeah any point in the journey so for example you invited me to to sit in that space you know I could have said no I could have said at the last minute of the day before oh I've had a second thoughts so any point I could have pulled out from that you know it was the kind of the balls in my court at each of those points and I and I was just thinking you know in in life how often I wait for Something to kind of happen, so the decision's made for me, or something, you know. So I won't necessarily give myself permission to. I'm just, I'm just think I'm just trying to think. As I was speaking, there, I just thought something that came up in a like a group coaching call I was on the other day. It was around. It's a difference between. Oh, was it? It's a difference between deciding and was it? between deciding and choosing. But the idea that one is sort of by a process of elimination. And it's kind of what you're left with, and the other thing is, is you're going for that choice. So there's ten things on the table, and you pick the one you want to go for, rather than there are ten things on the table and you eliminate them. So you just end up with the thing that's left. and And I feel it's not direct related, but it just came to my mind then because so often I'll sort of just wait for the decision to be made for me in some way. And for me, there's that's that's a that's that's not what permission's about. Permission's sort of recognizing this is what I want to do, and and choosing to do it I don't know there's, there's something in there that just just I don't know just came up for me as as, as we were talking about that because at any point that process could have been could have been stopped but it was down to the, you know the, the person to give themselves permission to continue on that path and not just I don't know wait for life to sort of deal with it on their behalf or allow something else to come up allow excuses to you know to, to get in the way or whatever um yeah another interesting word that, as you were speaking was you mentioned liberation and I kind of realized that through a lot of these these conversations these interviews as we've been talking about what it means to give ourselves permission we've been talking about a lot about what that looks like but almost what I haven't really spent a lot of time addressing is why kind of why it's important like you know that sense of liberation when we do give ourselves permission like you know that that's that's a huge part of it but it's it's almost like it's this unsaid thing of well of course it's important to give ourselves permission but actually I haven't really spoken spoken to why that is <laughs> in many ways it's like it's almost like well it's just it's obvious it's important to give ourselves permission which it is but you know when you mentioned the word liberation I was like yeah like this this is this is why it's so crucial to allow permit allow ourselves permission to make those choices to, to to live life in our own terms to accept ourselves to integrate our you know wholeness all those things like well it's because of liberation and and probably a whole load of other things but it just amused me that i hadn't really spoken to that part <laughs> in a way
1: when you were speaking i i noticed something in what you were saying
2: mm.
1: you were talking about you know when you, when you accepted the invitation to come and film with me
2: mm.
1: at any point you could have said no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and as you said, that's a reflection of life, which is, you know, sometimes we just, the inertia carries us. Yes, yes. We don't,
2: exactly. we
1: just go with the flow. Yeah. And what I noticed in that, and, may, and maybe this also talks to what you, you know, what is permission about? Why would you want to have permission? What I noticed is an idea of going with the flow is what's the opposite of going with the flow? The opposite of going with the flow is an at each and every moment, making a conscious choice. Mm. So whether you call it permission or taking it, making a choice, I mm-hmm. think they're the same thing. You know, in this moment, I give myself to do this next thing in the next moment, which is a permission or a choice, which is where we look at it. And so what I noticed in that is that when we live in a world of choice or permission, that's a world of living consciously.
0: Mm, yes.
1: Whereas going with the flow is living unconsciously.
0: Yes. Mm. And
1: so I think what you're raising here is this idea of moving from an unconscious life to a conscious life,
2: mm.
1: and that's what came up for me when, as you were speaking about, you know, taking the time. To more than just go with the flow, but to decide in each and every moment
0: mm. and it's like it's these micro moments like it's interesting I did this um like guided meditation with a group um fairly recently, and it was just it was this idea of it was guiding it was it was guiding through your your ideal day it was literally pointing out all the moments we have you know from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep and creating conscious awareness around those choices. The things we kind of just do also pile a lot of the time just you know, make a quick lunch. It's like the choice that we have in those moments to decide what we're going to put on our plate at lunchtime, like these little micro moments. And it's, and it's the, the, the beauty in that for me was that, you know, it's the moments that make the minutes that make the hours that make the days and the weeks and the months and the years. And yet we so often don't consciously acknowledge these micro moments. And, and I, and I, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm reaffirming to myself because I, I, I know that I, and I love to use the word inertia, I do just get kind of carried so much of the time. And then I end up feeling overwhelmed. And I think that a lot of that's down to my own frustration of not having harnessed my own consciousness about taking, you know, choosing and just being drifted along with flow and then shooting all over myself about the fact that, you know, you just get caught in that little ah, awkward place. Um, And I do it all too much still. Um, So I don't know, there's just quite a lot in there that I was just feeling and like, yeah, I I, I get it intellectually, but I still don't always allow myself to embody it. Like, (laughs) which I find frustrating because there's a lot that I, I get it. I get it in my head. I know what I should be doing. I know, you know, it's just hard to give myself permission, but, do I always do it? Do I do it even much of the time? Like, no, (laughs) not in the way that I want to be necessarily. Um, yeah. So the the, the unconscious and conscious is interesting. Um, yeah. And for me, like when you are being, being conscious about things is being bad about having an increased awareness about things as well. So I think there's that frustrating thing, particularly when you start connecting with yourself at a deeper level, you become more aware of what you are doing, but equally what you aren't doing. And sometimes that can just be this overwhelming space. You're not just living this kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of life. You're actually super aware of where you're propelling yourself for, but equally where you're holding yourself back. Um, which almost comes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning around awareness of how, you know, childhood sh- has shaped, you know, it's just when you start really digging into the like the really like ah like icky, sticky, blah, gloopy bits, it's really uncomfortable and really frustrating. I think, why can't I just go back to like, you know, having this this unconscious, like just floating along? <laughs> um occasionally i think that i just want to float along again and not really have to have to have any conscious awareness about my life but i don't really um, i do want to live a permission giving life but it just sometimes feels quite quite uncomfortable still <laughs> um, i just about, i think i go around in a few circles there but it's it's the point about the moments um and the conscious being consciously aware of of each of our moments, and that we have got so much more control is not the right word. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, it's, it's, it took me, it took me, took me off into a little world there.
1: <laughs> well, let me share one final thought. I think because we've, we've covered quite a lot of ground, but I just want to share mm. one final thought with you, and it was about what you just said. Um. You know, you started the conversation by talking about my work around vulnerability and, mm. and, and that's, a lot of my events are, are around that opening up that space. My filming work is about that. Um, and it's actually quite uncomfortable. It, it can be quite uncomfortable. You mm. talked about, you know, living consciously from moment to moment, it mm. can be quite uncomfortable. Now, what I notice in that is if you are looking at each moment and you're making a choice, and it, it does feel uncomfortable. What I take from that is, it's because you're making real choices.
0: Mm.
1: You know, the easy choices, the ones that aren't uncomfortable, aren't necessarily meaningful very real, choices. You know.
0: well real choices, but also meaningful choices. Because if you didn't, they're mean, not that
1: meaningful. Yeah, yeah. That actually, that when it gets uncomfortable, I think it it is a signpost of how meaningful it is to you.
2: Mm.
1: Whether mm. it's whether it's you know being vulnerable whether it's making a choice it, it's it's calling around to go deeper yeah so that's what i notice in what you say
0: yeah yeah it's true yeah yeah and that's true because i do very much feel as i'm living a more meaningful life now than i i did you know five years ago mm. um I just looked across my room. I've got a vision board across the other side of my room and the word my eyes just landing on is messy. I don't know why. I was just, the M jumped out at me because I said meaningful. And I was just like, you know, the, there was so much beauty in the, in the mess. And it's, in, you know, the, the messy parts are the, the most meaningful parts to, to, to work through. And coming back to the word liberation, you know, that's kind of what's on the other side, liberation. And every part of that process has a relationship to permission giving. And we can only give ourselves that. No one else can do that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I sometimes would like it not. <laughs> we, we can't. It's, it's an internal validation, internal permission giving. So also, I'm slowly learning. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Is there anything else you'd love to? I don't know. There, I mean, that was a kind of a quite a beautiful wrap up anyway, but is there any kind of final points that you'd love to draw attention to or reiterate or just share? where you're at what's going on in your world to sort of, yeah, to wrap things up?
1: <clears throat> There's nothing specific comes to mind other than I go back to where I started, which is a sense of gratitude. Mm. You know, what I take from this conversation is a reminder of being conscious about what I do
2: mm.
1: and that there is an immense power in it and, and to remember that. Mm. And you know, sometimes when I'm just editing a film or sitting there yeah. you know, with, a, with um, 10 hours of editing to do that it's easy to forget that those moments that, they, that are created in that conversation in that connection uh, so thank you for reminding me of that
0: mm, I can feel that so it's, it's a reminder to me because I felt that as you said it because I so easily get caught in my head and, and don't sit with, with those moments and with that, that awareness so thank you this has been, this has been beautiful thank you so much
1: well thank you for me inviting me, Joe. It's been a real pleasure.
0: <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you
0: To learn more about me and my work, come hang out with me on Instagram at Joe Hodson or get in touch with me on hello at com. Until next time, keep leaning in to the magic in the messy.